2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm joined by my, uh, let's see, to my west, by Christopher Mookie on Harrington, who is right now suffering a terrible loss uh, to the Buffalo Bills as the Minnesota Vikings are being shut out at halftime by the Buffalo Bills, 27-0. to zero. And uh, I know you're monitoring the situation closely. Any, any, any thoughts on that, Mookie?
3: Well, as you recall, the Buffalo Bills were famous for them, Being completely behind Against a certain Nashville team When they had an incredible turnaround uh, A number of years ago Are you talking about the Music City Miracle? I can only assume the same is going to happen tonight
2: Are you talking about the Music City Miracle?
3: I sure am So clearly Mm -hmm. uh, the Vikings are just setting them up uh, Because that's the way you make a match You got to get the other guy gets a little bit of heat So right now you're the the Don Driggers In the situation I I have a pretty good feeling that uh,
2: Demolition Smash Is going to come back and win this thing He could I, I'm, I've actually I haven't watched an NFL game in, in a really a long time, and uh, so so I'm, what I'm, I'm watching people I guess contract CTE here today. Uh, but the CT lawsuit has been dismissed, hasn't it? We're going to talk about that today. The you WWE. Know, we got a lot lawsuit. of things
3: we're going to talk about. We got impact going to WWE. Maybe uh, resumes in hand. Who knows? Yeah,
2: we're going to talk about Saudi Arabia. is going back to Saudi Arabia this time to Riyadh, right? Not not Jeddah this time to Riyadh we about how much uh, we
3: got the the Hall of Fame ballot that's coming out uh, with for the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame uh, that hopefully you got a copy of and that you and I will uh, be submitting. Whoever
2: gives us the highest bids will obviously vote in that way. Yeah, I, I, I did receive a ballot, and uh, you can PayPal us at. Uh, pay... <laughs> we do not
3: accept <laughs> uh, uh, PayPal in that situation. You can always support our our uh, premium show over at uh, patreon.com. Uh, slash WrestleLomics. Go to com. I'll take you right there. And we had a great WrestleLomics show. We'll talk about what's on the premium version a little bit later going on here. But, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of cool stuff. And then, of course, the country of Chile.
2: Yeah. Did you know there's a lot of indie wrestling in the country of Chile? Or should we say Ch- 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 Chile? Chile?
3: Chile. I did know that because um, you may or may not recall this, but when WWE had its first anniversary of the WWE Network, they put out this infographic where they talked about where were the most uh, viewers in the world. Yeah. And in that infographic, Chile was super high. And I tweeted out something like, why is Chile so popular with WWE? And I was inundated by Chilean WWE fans. Hmm telling me how big a deal it was hmm. so that was the first indication i had that Chile was a very viable pro wrestling marketplace and i remember i think it was the young bucks went down there for some tour they- and they did some monster numbers in Chile. wow
2: so i guess it only makes sense they're going to do a a, a tryout not if you want to start with talking that first but maybe we should do a Saudi Arabia first but um
3: I want to talk Chile first no, I fine, do fine, because I, I feel like the Saudi Arabia story you can listen to one of half a dozen things we talked about in the last year you know we were doing Saudi Arabia Central for almost every week there for a good two months um and n- very little of that has changed so let, let's talk start with this Chile story I'm, I'm throwing the script in the air we're going off script oh my goodness we're gonna call it live Okay. Uh, Santiago, Chile, Stanford, Connecticut, September 17, 2018. Today announced, WWE, that they're going to visit Chile in search of the next generation of WWE superstars holding the first ever Latin American talent tryout in Santiago this December. Yes.
2: That, that is your favorite international region, isn't it, Latin America?
3: I do. I'm a big LatAm guy, and uh, I feel LatAm has been denied their rightful opportunity in this world. Yes. But there will be a three-day tryout featuring up to 40 female, and male athletes from across Latin America who will have the opportunity to showcase their abilities with the goal of being selected to begin training at the -the state-of-the-art WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida, United States. The talent pool will comprise elite performers with a diverse background in sports, including, but not limited to, mixed martial arts, judo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, American football, boxing, powerlifting, bodybuilding, and something called Lucha Libre. Oh,
2: what, what what is that? Does that have something to do with smiles?
3: Uh, I imagine it's it's maybe yes. It's the uh, the Spanish words meaning for
2: uh, free smiles smile generation. Free smiles. Yeah, free.
3: Did you know that the WWEPerformanceCenter dot com is now available both in Spanish and Portuguese? Oh wow!
2: I was looking at that earlier in English.
3: And that is a great example of something that I, I'm actually really excited to read. That because I've I've been ranting a lot about the um, New Japan World, and about how they need to consider their American marketplace and make sure that they create tools that are accessible to fans and people from across the world and i feel the same way about WWE performance center if you're serious about lat am becoming a, a big generation area for you and considering the enormous burgeoning hispanic population in the united states and the fact that you're going back to Rey mysterio today because you've been unable to make a successful, strong Hispanic star. Mm. Um, it says to me, there's a probably a pretty good opportunity for you to put your website in Spanish and Portuguese and make sure that those talent will be able to sign up, even if they don't speak great English.
2: Yeah, And so it looks like the the, uh, the entrance for this tryout are not all selected. They, it looks like they're soliciting applications. And I think here it That's says say. sign up now. You too, you know, too I- can be misclassified as an independent contractor.
3: Yes. And if you're more interested in discussion of classification standards, independent contractor versus employer for the U.S. law, at least, uh, I've done two different weeks, two different episodes about this. This week is a nice consolidated version of it. You can find out over WrestleNomics.com. Go to the Patreon. It's $5 a month, but limited time offer. Mm. You pay $1. I'll give you access to these last two weeks of shows, this week's show and last week's show. Yeah. You can listen to these shows. You can get enraged. And you can understand just what we deliver here when we talk about things like independent
2: contractor by looking at law review journal articles. Yes. Um, if you if you discovered us through Twitter, you're you're used to getting enraged. But this is a this is a this, how long are we offering this deal for? This is a one week Mookie special.
3: This we you'll be able to listen to these two shows, It'll pay a buck. But you know next week's show, you're gonna have to be the five dollar subscriber to hear the show. So we hope that you'll listen to it, think it's really cool, pay up. But we'll figure out what happens. It's up to you. Okay. Um, back to this uh, Chile thing. Yes, it is open to people to recruit. I I think two things are going on. Number one, global localization, right? Mm-hmm. So this is Paul Levesque's idea to have different NXT centers around the world. I had recommended at one point, I thought maybe Chile would be a place that they might have it. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if people signing up today aren't in fact going to be going to this tryout today, but might be for a future tryout. And two... Uh, I think it's just always about creating a hub, you know, just having talent in the pipeline and understanding who's out there and what opportunities there is. Mm-hmm. And you, you, there's no reason they can't invite one of these people to go up to Orlando or somewhere else to try, have a tryout as well. I mean, if, if nothing
2: else is about laying a foundation for there to eventually maybe be a, a Latin America performance center, NXT, whatever it might be. Right.
3: Yeah. And and there's no way that WWE can't sometimes compare and contrast itself with UFC. And when you look at how much UFC has been able to penetrate and and utilize the Brazilian marketplace, I I think that really suggests that there's a big shortcoming in Latin America for WWE right
2: now. Yeah, well, the impression I have is that you know jiu-jitsu has a long history in in Brazil. Um, So pro wrestling in Brazil, I don't know. I I was looking at cage match uh, this weekend, and I found eight records of events in 2018 in Brazil. Four records of, of 2018 events in argentina and 90 records of events in 2018 in chile so
3: and not just one promotion in chile either right there's like several different promotions that looks like that are running there.
2: i found 23 different promotions that have records in cage match of events this year
3: wow so i i do think um there is very much a sense that right now there is an explosion of opportunity in latin america specifically chile when it comes to professional wrestling whether it's being driven by the promoters whether it's being driven by the talent um whether it's just you know involving people like like i said i think i swear the young bucks have been down there for big shows before
2: i'll, I'll look that up so it's uh, notable that this is not happening in mexico isn't it
3: well, I think Mexico has such an enormous feel, population and, and talent there. It's, yeah. I, I do think that there's a, a big geographic difference between what's going on in Mexico and what's going on in these other places. Maybe they feel kind of uh, like
2: Mexico is occupied territory, but hey, South America, maybe we can get in more easily.
3: Yeah, yeah. And it'll be interesting to see. Was there anything you, you discovered around? Did you look at which wrestlers are working the most in these areas?
2: I looked at which wrestlers are getting booked by the most uh most number of promotions, and I and I haven't heard any of these folks. And if if you have heard of them, tell us. Ooh, let's see if I can pronounce these names. Guan Chulo was booked in four out of the twenty three, and Aggressor was booked out of, in four out of the twenty three. And that's that's the that's the top. You know, there's there's nobody who's booked in any any greater proportion, any greater portion of these twenty three promotions. So it so I guess what I would surmise from this is that there's not like a big band of of top indie names who are, you know, getting books in in a wide, wide variety of promotions in Chile.
3: We would hope so. I mean, what we would probably have to uh, validate some of this by actually looking at some footage to figure out, are we talking backyard feds that are just feeding their results to cage match or these like really legitimate groups that are drawing hundreds of people or just dozens of people or what? But um, my feeling is they have a boom going on right now and uh anytime there's a big boom like this it's a good time for wwe to be thinking about how they can lay the front the the groundwork to be the company that is associated most with
2: professional wrestling
3: uh it does always surprise me so the young bucks
2: see oh sorry the the young bucks in august 2016 wrestled the hardy boys in santiago for wrestling superstar fight forever they had a double pin finish then they came back in december with a three-way ladder match a uh, three-way tag ladder match involving the Hardys, the Young Bucks, and and a tag team called the Supernaturals, comprising of Gladiator, Angel, and Hellspawn.
3: And are you able to see attendance for either of those shows? Let's see what happens when I click on this.
2: No attendance for that one in Cage match. Let's see about the other one. No attendance. Okay.
3: I, I seem to recall reading in Observer that it did quite well. But uh, we do not It's like check. Ricochet was uh, on
2: this. Brian Cage was on this card. Santana Garrett. East. Yeah, it was
3: and again, that's always, I guess, what surprises me the most is that you're bringing in all this talent from the United States and from Europe rather than bringing in talent from necessarily from Mexico. And so it just it suggests that there's very much a, a value of being on television and possibly a, a real different um penetration aspect to what's happening in Chile versus Mexico. I'd be really curious to find out more from someone who's maybe more in the area. So maybe I'll have to hit up one of those uh, people who inundated me on Twitter to tell me a little bit more about what's really happening today in uh, Chilean professional wrestling. Yeah. Uh, one thing that intrigued me was looking at this Performance Center website and, and going through and seeing which talent they decided to mention. Uh, looks like you also counted what talent there was, right?
2: Yeah, so they have a list of Of what they call, you know, all of their superstars or everybody at the performance center, which includes referees. And I counted a total of 85 uh, individuals, 25 of them women, 60 of them men. Uh, It doesn't include, it's probably not super up to date because there's no Matt Riddle here. Okay. So there, Mm -hmm. there, there might be a few left out.
3: And and there was also this list of success stories. And so these are all the wrestlers that they said were success stories. These are people that showed up to NXT and have since moved on in their journey. So the the list of success stories were Aiden English, ACAM, Alexa Bliss, Alexander Wolfe, uh, Andrea Almas, Apollo Cruz, Oscar, Baron Corbin, Bailey, Becky Lynch, Billy Kay, Bo Dallas, Bobby Roode, Ron Strowman, Carmella, Chad Gable, Charlotte Flair, Dana Brooke, Dash Wilder, Drew McIntyre, Elias, Ember Moon, Eric Young, Finn Balor, uh, Hideo Tommy, Jason Jordan, Callisto, Kevin Owens, Killian Dane, Connor, Lana, Leo Rush, Liv Morgan, Mandy Rose, Mojo Raleigh, Nia Jax, No Way Jose, Paige, Peyton Royce, Razor, Ruby Riot, Rusev, Sami Zayn, Samir Singh, Samoa Joe, Sarah Logan, Sasha Banks, Scott Dawson, Shinsuke Nakamura, Sonya Deville, Sunil Singh, Ty Dillinger, Tyler Breeze, Victor, and Zelina Z- Vega. No Neville. Um. No Neville. No, no Neville on here. Uh, all these people still employed by WWE, as far as I know. Um. You know, Paige probably being the only retired one on that list that I'm looking at. Um, interesting list of people. Uh, you know, I, I was looking here and no big, just saying, no big well, you have three people whose parents were professional wrestlers, Bo Dallas, Carmella, and Charlotte Flair. Yeah. P- possibly more, but those three just came to mind immediately. Um,
2: no big cast, no have, Enzo. No, what's that? No big cast or Enzo.
3: Yeah. No big cast or Enzo. No, uh, and you no have, Simon Gotch uh, and, and you're also missing people like the Wyatt family, you know? Huh. Uh, as an example of like successes, but again, a lot of people coming through FCW are not being counted. Yeah. Um, then you have uh, people who are already significantly stars. Uh, so I'd say Olmus, Oscar, Bobby Roode, Drew McIntyre, Eric Young, Finn Balor, Hideo Itami, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Samoa Joe, Shinsuke Nakamura. You could even include people like Apollo Cruz or Leo Rush or other people in there if you want to get more broad. Just very top-level stars. All those
2: names I mentioned were pretty top-level stars in their promotions. You're using um, Mukigana metrics to, to decide what a significantly established star is, right?
3: Well, I was going to say, were you a top champion on a televised promotion?
2: Huh. So, so R- Rusev, Sasha Banks. Where,
3: where was he a top champion?
2: He was a U.S. champion.
3: No, no, no. I'm talking about in outside of WWE. Significantly, oh, you mean, an okay, outside of WWE.
2: Okay. Yes.
3: My point of this is these are people who it's very hard to call the PC the reason that they're successful. Hmm. Andrea Olmes and Finn Balor and Samoa Joe all had very good careers before they came to WWE. Okay. So then you're left with a much smaller list of people that you could probably say they walked into this profession and maybe started from scratch. You know, uh, like Occam and Razor. I'll yeah. give you that. Alexa Bliss, Baron Corbin, Ron Strowman, Dana Brooke, Jason Jordan, Mandy Rose, Mojo Raleigh, Sonya Deville. I would say most of them probably started, some, started at the PC. The other names that are left there, a lot of them actually started training and wrestling before they came to WWE. Aiden English, Billy Kay, Dash Wilder, uh, Leo Rush, uh, Rusev, um, uh, Tyler Breeze, Ty Dillinger. You know Ty Dillinger. You probably wrestled Ty Dillinger. I didn't. I didn't wrestle him. But I was on shows with him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so a lot of these people. It's a pretty big stretch to say Becky Lynch was trained by the PC and that's why she's successful. nijax should be added to this list, right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I did this very quickly this morning before we started. So, I. That's that's a very fair point that I didn't even name them all. But I, my point is, of the list of uh, maybe 40 people here, 50 people here, maybe a third of them I would call straight up being trained by the PC. Mm-hmm. And the other third of them came in already trained by somewhere else. Probably and then about long, a third huh? of them kind of refined their training. I I, I don't think like Arusev. he was on the indie scene, but he, he wasn't really a big name on the indie scene before he came to
2: WWE. Yeah. Lana, right.
3: Lana would also be probably a train from scratch person. Yeah. Then you have people like Chad Gable who did a very little bit of indie, indie wrestling before he came to WWE. So, you know, do I think that the PC probably trained most of him? Yeah. But he did work and, and wrestle before that. Yeah.
2: I think Liv Morgan too. Didn't, uh didn't Liv
3: Morgan, when I looked it up, it said she did backyard wrestling with her brothers
2: when she was a kid. So
3: <laughs> I, I would also classify that as someone who's coming in with some interest or knowledge about what wrestling
2: is. So it's a backyard wrestling counts.
3: Well, I think if you I think for women especially, it, it plays a big difference between whether you're coming in and you have a clue about what this thing is. Okay. Same with like a, a Ty Dillinger, you know, that's a guy who he was even on ECW television. The 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 relaunched DCW at one point mm-hmm. under his uh, other name. What was Gavin his Spears' other
2: name? Gavin Spears, right?
3: Gavin Spears, yes. Also known as Sean Spears sometimes. Yes. Um, and Tyler Breeze, of course he he came from the days of Lance Storm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, and then you have a guy like Connor. Connor has been on and off with WWE for more than a decade. Yeah. When you look at all the different times he's worked for them, he worked for them. He left. He came back. He worked under lots of different variations of the spelling of the name Connor. Yeah. So, I mean, he also goes back to the ECW days. He was one of the, um, uh, I believe he was one of Paul Heyman's security guards at one point when uh, one of the Basham brothers got hurt. Hmm. But anyway, so it's just, uh, success story is a very, very uh, relative term, is the argument that a Shinsuke Nakamura or an Asuka can be completely counted as a success in some ways, you could say Shinsuke and Asuka and Hideo Tami and uh, Olmos might actually be the best examples for them to use. To say, what happens if you know how to wrestle, but you come and you're expected to work for an English-speaking company? What's going to happen to you?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And if you're a foreigner, that's probably a better analogy from you than, say, a Kevin Owens or a Sami Zayn.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I guess it's... Uh... As they are you could call it a success story to, to be charitable to them to say like, look, they came from some other system and, and maybe I'm not going to point this out, but maybe there are people like, uh, you know, the mystico or Caristicos of the world who did, didn't, didn't work out for them, but these people it worked out for them.
3: I agree. But then I think what we should also be looking at is let's look at the basis of the people you train from scratch. Mm-hmm. What is their success in the company? been? Yeah. Alexa, Akam, Braun, Dana, Nia Jax, Mojo, Charlotte, Aaron Corbin. Charlotte should be
2: counted in there. Carmella. So these are the people you have highlighted as a parents of professional or uh you know, yeah, jilt- Carmella probably professors. Well, I, I wanna put
3: the I wanna put the the parents of professional wrestler in a different group. Okay. So of those, it's a mixed bag, right? I'd say Strowman has been exceptionally successful. Mm-hmm. I, I would probably say Strowman is your your crowning achievement.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I think your second crowning achievement is Alexa Bliss. Yep. on the raw raw talent level. Yep. And then the third one would probably be Nia. And then fourth is going to be either Baron you or you don't, don't want to
2: put Lana. Nia Jax in the category of uh related to a wrestler.
3: Oh, that's true. We could we could put Nia Jax in the parent is a professional wrestler category. She, she's related. And, and some, same with Paige actually. I would put her in yeah. that as well. Yeah,
2: so Susan Jax is related to the Rock. Uh, and Paige's parents were I wrestlers. I definitely should have highlighted
3: there. And I'm sure there are other people that also are related to wrestlers, and I, I just don't know their story. But um, these are the, the bigger names for me yeah. when I'm thinking about kind of what's been going on. And so it's a mixed bag there where you do have your mojos and your Baron Corbins. Because when you have a Bo Dallas or or a Charlotte Flair, it's it's harder to say that the company is not, in fact, willing to put up with a lot more garbage from you. Not to say that there's something associated with garbage with those two, but just that idea that there's some tolerance because you're a, a multi-generational person, and in some ways it seems like the company has a lot more interest in trying to bring those people in. But yet the the website's not doesn't require you to submit a birth certificate notarized by your adult parent. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, we, we have this conversation all the time. I think if the PC does expand and we start seeing NXTs around the world, it will give us a better opportunity to really see what happens. There's a plethora of people that have been hired by WWE that have only begun to start showing up on WWE television uh, from Teen Bang to Shadea Bezo to uh, Nasser al the Kuwaiti guy the Kavita Devi and other people uh, versus like you said the Matt Riddles, the Keith Lees and the other um, superstars of wrestling, the Ricochets that are kind of passing through the system now that you could argue um, are doing their time, maybe tweaking their, their work as they work with very high level trainers. But it's very hard to argue that they're, they're actually coming in not as established professionals who are getting additional on the job training versus people that are really being trained from scratch. Yep. So uh, this Chile t- tryout is actually going to be held on uh, December 5th. It looks like. So uh, early December, they say it's a three day thing. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the first couple days um, of uh, December that this would be happening.
2: The tryout is going to showcase the W Universe's favorite Raw superstars, including Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Seth Rollins, Jinder Mahal, Finn Balor, and many more.
3: Talent depicted and referenced are subject to change.
2: What does that mean? They're going to be f- showcased.
3: I think they just mean that's who's appearing.
2: They're going to appear at the tryout. Is this open to the no, public? Oh,
3: they're up here at the WWE live event. Oh, That's oh, happening at the Star Oh, there's Bosa a star
2: arena. Ah, okay. So this there's house <laughs> shows happening and a tryout happening at the, yeah. at the venue. Okay. Yeah. Exactly.
3: So that's the latest on uh, Chile. Uh, let's go to the Saudi Arabia story. Okay. Uh, the one that I, I detailed. So they announced the Crown Jewel. Yeah. Be happening in Riyadh, and it will be. The uh, Saudi General Sports Authority, in partnership with the WWE, presents the crown jewel at the King Fahd International Stadium in Riyadh, Saudi Riyadh, November 2nd, featuring a triple threat match with Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, and Braun Strowman, and the first ever WWE World Cup tournament yeah. to determine the best in the world.
2: The best in the world?
3: We haven't had a, a, a single elimination tournament one night in quite some time.
2: Yeah, because it's uh, hard to promote Probably the king of the ring? Yeah, well, they, they did a King of the Ring, not that mm, within the network era, that was taped in conjunction with some SmackDowns, I think.
3: Yeah, but wasn't the, the that King of the Ring a multi-week thing? Yeah, yep. They did have, uh, I remember years ago, they had a King of the Ring, and it was like, you know, Rey Mysterio and CM Punk and people were involved in it. And I was thinking that was probably one of the last times they had very high-level talent involved. Mm-hmm. Um, they, obviously, the other big news out of all this is that the Vision 2030 money is enough to make uh, Shawn Michaels come out of retirement, it sounds like.
2: Yeah, so on the Australia show, Shawn Michaels is going to be in Triple H's corner against The Undertaker. But it sounds like maybe that's going to turn into a tag match for Saudi Arabia. Am I getting that right?
3: That that seems to be the general consensus is that, that Shawn Michaels is expected to be wrestling at the Crown Jewel event, uh, possibly against Undertaker and Kane. Yeah. And, what do you and think? Um, I think
2: he's going to end up wrestling at WrestleMania if that goes well.
3: You think so? I think so. You think there'll be more appearances?
2: Yeah, I think if this goes well, he'll. You know, I think there'll be a match at WrestleMania. That's
3: interesting. I, I, I will, I will, I will play the line, and I will say the opposite. I don't think he will be wrestling at WrestleMania. Okay. Um, but I will be very intrigued if they do. I, I do think that would be, you know, I, I would love to see Shawn Michaels against Dean Ambrose or, you know, some just a matchup that we never got before
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, versus, say, Triple H versus Shawn Michaels for the 80,000th time.
2: Shawn Michaels versus you know? The Undertaker again. They could do that again.
3: Yeah. What, wasn't the whole gimmick supposed to be that sh- it was going to be the last time that Shawn Michaels, that uh, Triple H and The Undertaker were going to wrestle each other?
2: The Loser retires. And then no, the, no, no, no. And then, no, no, no. Listen, they,
3: listen. They were talking about, for the Australia show, it was going to be Triple H versus The Undertaker, and they kept announcing that it was going to be like the last ever, maybe it was the last ever singles match.
2: Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker was a retirement match, right? And But then um, the Triple H versus The Undertaker WrestleMania matches, the last one was the end of an era. That's the last time you'll ever see it until
3: Yes, but, until, until but, but I'm saying when they announced the Super Show for, for Australia here... They made a whole thing about how it was going to be the the like, the like last time the two guys were ever going to uh, wrestle each other, I thought.
2: We can only hope.
3: <laughs> you don't seem to believe me. Yeah, so he wrote, yeah, Triple H wrote, one final time, one final match. Mm-hmm. The game versus the dead man.
2: Mm-hmm. For real this time. This is the last time.
3: Well, but then they're going to meet again in uh, Saudi Arabia is my point.
2: Triple H and the Undertaker are.
3: Yes, in the tag match.
2: Oh yeah, okay, that could happen. Okay.
3: <laughs> in between the Super Show in uh, MCG, the uh, Melbourne Melbourne Cricket Gardens, something like that.
2: Melbourne Cricket uh, Ground,
3: yeah. Which seats fifty to sixty thousand people. According to the Wrestling uh, Observer newsletter, or at least the number of tickets that they're thinking about selling. Yeah,
2: uh, which which is they interesting. will be with the uh, the capacity, at least on Wikipedia, is like a hundred thousand. So you'd think, you know, there'd be a lot more room than fifty to sixty thousand. But
3: but we do know that WWE Evolution and the Nassau Coliseum will be taking place in between those two events, and less than a week later, they're going to Saudi Arabia. So the women will work on the 28th and the men will work on November 2nd. That's right.
2: So, uh, you know, don't worry about uh, the fact that there's not going to be any uh, women on this show because we're giving them their own show right before. Something. That's something. We will be able to watch the Crown Jewel on on um, WWE
3: Network, so they're not hiding it. That's for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess when you're going to have, uh, you know, if you're going to have Brock Lesnar wrestling, uh, you don't want to waste that. Mm-hmm. It will be intriguing to see whether or not um, there's a huge bump in the Q4 payments for WWE or whether the Q2 payment, which we estimated at somewhere around $40 million, mm-hmm. was possibly including some of the value of this event as well. And that maybe you won't see quite as large of a number for for that. I I, I lean a lot more towards the idea that the $40 million is like at least three quarters of the full year's value rather than it's a per event thing. Now, taking into mind that that counting principle that they're trying to use, I don't really know how they value something like the the relationship they have with Saudi Arabia. They've been unbelievably opaque about even admitting that that's what's bumping up their money, even though they did make a couple kind of subtle uh, discussions of that in the findings of the value. So I will be curious whether this crown jewel event is worth $10 million, $25 million, $40 million, or whether you just take the whole Saudi Arabia money and divide it by two. And over the course of the year, they're going to make $50 million. If they make $80 million, that's incredible. I'm thinking the number is going to come closer to 50 to $60 million total.
2: Yeah. Uh, when they were asked about it on the conference call last time, they, they said that they had a a non-disclosure agreement with, with Saudi Arabia, so they couldn't uh, get into the details of it, right? but uh maybe maybe that's what another they
3: said i i i would ch- i i think that's just them trying to avoid having to talk about it i i don't really know if the value of getting that much money from an a international government really is something that you can just completely hide on your books mm-hmm. well you you have a little thing you wrote here
2: and can you explain to me what it what it's about they've they've done a lot to make women's wrestling better but like you know when we were at the Q&A and uh, somebody was asking about how you know they don't do multiple women's storylines. And a lot of the women's storylines are, are still, even though they're pushing this women's evolution and women's wrestling is, is better now. It's it's still the content of the storylines is pretty immature. Um, so, you know, you have this, you have a women's evolution we have uh, multiple women's titles and now they're having their own pay-per-view, but really the, the, the core stuff that, that could change hasn't. And, uh, It's a, it's sort of a a payoff to make this problem seem to go away. You know, it it leaves us of our guilt. So we have this W evolution show, but we don't really have to change, change anything fundamentally.
3: So do you, are you positing that if we did not have Saudi Arabia, we would not have had the evolution show? I think that's possible, I don't know. I I would disagree. I, I think that they believe strongly in the value of their women's brand from the Mae Young Classic onward, mm-hmm. from you know what I see with Michelle Wilson's enthusiasm for this,
2: mm-hmm.
3: that I, I do think of it as, as separate tracks for WWE, mm-hmm. that they have one initiative to increase female viewership, and part of that is to develop the pipeline of talent and create a viable pathway for women to be seen as top-level performers. I, I, On the other path line, I do think it is a PR thing where they do have to, at some point, also say, oh my gosh, what am I doing about this? How can I in any way push back?
2: I mean, um, they, they know that they were asked on the conference call uh, following the last Saudi Arabia show, one analyst, one financial analyst on the conference call asked asked them to explain, you know, uh, how do you explain, you know, pushing the women's evolution, but then also having the Saudi Arabia show where women weren't allowed to be there. It's sponsored by... I think by it was the, Mike Hickey who,
3: who did that, who asked that question. Yeah,
2: it, it's sponsored by the government, uh, you know, Treatment of women in this country isn't very good, and uh, how how do you reconcile that? And they had to you know exp- explain something about. Yeah, you remember that Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss match in uh, UAE where they were chanting "This is hope" as if that had something to do with it. And uh, yeah, um,
3: yeah, it's, and, it's, and I it's think and I think for the, sure the I think they're is, different. There are different train tracks that cross, yeah, for and, sure. And I think the con- and, and I, I, I don't, I don't see it completely with cynicalness, where I say that this evolution thing is merely a smokescreen to avoid accountability over Saudi Arabia.
2: I think that the timing of this is very coincidental. That you know, five days away from the the, the next Saudi Arabia show, they're giving the, the women their own pay per view.
3: Yeah, it's an interesting point. It's it's hard to say whether or not, if it wasn't within a week, it certainly would feel a lot more like it would uh, be a coincidence. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you're basically saying, hey, I know I don't have to transport all these women to the show, so I can put them in one place and then I can just do a completely different thing with a
2: group of men somewhere else in the world. Yeah. And I think it's good. Um, I think it's good that they're doing this women's pay-per-view. I think they, they could have, you know, for quite a while. Uh, but I think it's, you know... It's, it's convenient that it's uh making up for the fact that they, they can't bring this women bring women to this Saudi Arabia show not just that they're doing but that the government is sponsoring to help them do PR for for their government which is autocratic and oppressive to women
3: yeah and and is is continuing to have one step forward one step back measures going on mm-hmm. you know is, as much as people can point to a, a driving release it's you know very As they've said many times, it's about showing that the government is in control and that that protesting and rebelling against the government does not have an impact. So any reforms, any measures, any changes that happen in Saudi Arabia are being driven by the government, not by the reformers is the narrative that they want to push. Mm -hmm. And they've they've very much begun to crack down on dissidents who in any way are are, um, anathema to that narrative. And we continue to see that and it it creates a real challenge uh, to really validate that the reforms that are happening are happening with the respect for human rights and other things. And there's going to be a lot about about whataboutism that you can do to compare to other places in the world that also have challenges. WWE runs shows in China and China has a questionable human rights record when it comes to many different things. I think the the difference
2: in in countries like China is China is not sponsoring. The WB uh, uh, events that are happening there, and they're not doing it as part of a PR campaign. They, to They, I, over I their think, image. it's difficult in China to ever completely divorce what is
3: happening from a government-enabled um, mm-hmm. action, because everything is so controlled by the government there. Yes, yeah. be, because you can't really be a free, independent com- company and not, in some way, be be trying to get the government's permission to act in the way that you want to. Mm-hmm. So it, it's 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 I wouldn't consider it completely out of lockstep. I would say that there's a lot of lot of um, control still being done by the Chinese government against what WWE is probably trying to do in any kind of Chinese evolution there. Mm-hmm. But I just bring it up to say, we still have the right and ability to speak out on these things and speak out on them all the time, not just when WWE is running shows there. But at, at any time that you're concerned about the war in Yemen or what's happening in Syria or the proxy engagement with Iran or anything else that's happening. Is it more valuable than any other WWE show they do?
2: Well, at at a minimum, so let's imagine that both of these shows this year in Saudi Arabia were only worth $40 million total. That's still $20 million a piece. That's still bigger than the biggest WrestleMania gate ever, which is 17.3 million, WrestleMania 32 in Dallas, 2016.
3: True. Now, do you have to create a hypothetical situation where you say, what would be the value of the WWE network if you didn't have
2: WrestleMania on it?
3: My argument is that oh, WrestleMania okay, generates yeah. a lot of okay, that, that
2: would get subscriptions. It, yeah, that would get it up over 20 million. That you would lose okay.
3: if you didn't have it on the network, and therefore that differential being driven by one single event means you could put that towards the value of WrestleMania.
2: Yeah, and, and I think like without WrestleMania, the Sunday event WrestleMania being there, you don't have access. You don't have NXT Takeover. You don't have uh, the Hall of Fame.
3: Yeah. So say say half a million people wouldn't get the network in a month if you didn't have net if you didn't have uh, wrestlemania on there that's five million dollars but over the year that's 60 million dollars but you know the reality is they would put the network the network would put wrestlemania on it at some point right mm-hmm. and you have a lot of people who are still subscribing to the network all those other months of the year that wrestlemania is not going on afresh so it, it is really hard to calculate what the value of WrestleMania is to the network subscriptions. But I would still posit that it's worth maybe half a million a year. Now, would you get that back in pay-per-view money? Probably. In fact, would it be worth more in pay-per-view money? Possibly. So it's it's an interesting calculation. But when when I'm trying to value the two, I always like to say, what's the impact on the WWE network? The impact of putting Saudi Arabia shows on the network is next to nothing. The impact of putting WrestleMania on the network is worth a lot. So there should be some amount of the network that you value towards it. That said, I still think the Saudi Arabia show might be more pure profit for WWE than anything else that they do. Mm -hmm. Here's my next proposal. Mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia invests in WWE films. Ooh! Suddenly, WWE films is the biggest revenue generator in the company.
2: That would be great. Maybe maybe, Next, that's, maybe that's why uh, they,
3: WWE maybe, doesn't have to be a professional wrestling oriented company, and therefore independent contractors are not vital to the business that the, the employer is in. Mm-hmm. They can solve all their problems with uh, Mohammed bin Salman.
2: It sounds like it. Yeah, the, sounds may, like it. Doesn't may, it? Maybe, that, maybe that's then why they Elon fired Musk, their, uh, their... They just both want
3: that Saudi Arabia money.
2: Yeah, maybe that's why they fired the studios president recently.
3: Maybe maybe. Anything else you want to say on this, or should we move on? I think that's it. All right. Impact officials have a meeting at WWE headquarters. That's the complete amount of information we have. Let's speculate wildly as people do in the professional wrestling, quote unquote, media. Mm
2: -hmm. I think uh, according to PW Insider, somebody from Impact told them that uh, it's not about selling the company. Um, It's not about selling the video library, if that's true. Maybe it's you know we we know W's looking to do a, a tiered version of the network, probably next year, right? Once all these TV, major TV deals are all done, uh, and I th- maybe they're trying to sell to WWE that hey, license uh, we'll license our uh, our library to you for this premium tier.
3: Interesting theory. I don't buy it. Mm-hmm. My theory would be, it literally. Impact, hat in hand, going to them, trying to say, hey, can't we work together? And them saying, you know what? We seem like complete jerks if we just reject them outright every time they want to come work with us. So let's come. And you guys come and tell us. We're open for business. Tell us what it is that we should be doing to work together.
2: Who's saying that to who?
3: I'm saying Impact is coming and begging WWE to pay attention to them. Mm Mm-hmm. WWE is is saying, you know what, we should treat you with the minimum, the modicum of respect, and we'll listen to what you have to say. And maybe they're going to come in and say, hey, let's work together on lobbying Congress, or hey, let's let's ensure that we don't tamper with each other's contracts, or whatever it's going to be. But honestly, we saw the Impact guys at the all-in show.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I know Ed Norton was there. Don Collis was there. I think Scott DeMore was there.
2: Yeah.
3: You know, they, they go to things. They show up. Why do they do that? My guess is because Ed Norton is still being told, you got to sell this company at some point. Mm-hmm. You got to do MMA. That's what you got hired to do. That's your background. And his solution to this is, is he's going to anybody on earth who wants to partner with him. And he's saying, hey, let's start a relationship. And of course, he's going to say, no, it has nothing to do with, with selling the company. Because that would be a market mover for WWE, right? If it came out that, that TNA was there trying to sell their company to WWE, that would probably be a, a significant event that would have an impact on WWE share price, in my opinion. Not that it's a real big mover, but because it sounds like a really big deal. I if get... you're an outside analyst, do you think you know that TNA is the size it is today? All you know is that there's three companies in the United States, Ring of Honor, TNA, and, and WWE.
2: I guess if they even know that much. Um...
3: Yeah, and so then if they don't know that much, then they might just hear, oh, WWE is going to buy another
2: company. That sounds like a big deal. Yeah, I, I think in, in reality it would be a very small deal. Like, what would they gain? Some contracts? Some assets? Uh, some libraries, some other things. But my yeah. point is
3: that, is that you run a huge risk if you make it sound like it is a big deal because it does sound like a market-moving thing. Yeah. So that's why you don't want it to make it seem like that's what you're doing.
2: Okay. Is so, that there's so a significant do,
3: overvaluation possibility by the marketplace.
2: So what should WWE do if they do decide to buy uh, Impact? To so just sort of put out a press release, downplaying it? That
3: they, yeah, yeah disclose that they've bought they've come to negotiations to buy impact wrestling they will get this much in the value and uh the 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 reason it's important to them is this and you know marketplace have at it <laughs> you know it isn't a big deal for them but that's my point is that you you really run the risk that when your stock is sitting at $90 a share after being at 20 for the rest of you know 20 and 10 for years and years People can overemphasize what's happening when they see uh, 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 a story like that. Is My that... guess is Impact is just showing up to try to make a relationship because Ed Nordham is desperate to find any kind of solution that's going to make it seem like someday they can get rid of this company that he's been hired to get rid of.
2: Would, would Impact's, uh TV deals have any value to WWE, whether it's the Canadian one, UK one, India one?
3: Hard to say because technically those deals are with Impact and so WWE buying Impact doesn't necessarily mean those deals are, are going to move hand in hand. Hmm. Those deals are for a certain amount of footage to be, you know, transmitted on a certain time every week. And that could be a breach of contract if the company gets sold. Mm-hmm. Because would WWE be selling a program called Impact Wrestling? They can't necessarily sell their own. They can't put their own program on because they probably already have deals in those marketplaces. Yeah. So what would be the value? Well, the value is the same thing that TNA does today. Try to make India pay their bills, which means put on a promotion. So who knows? I, I mean, yeah, maybe they could sell them NXT in exchange for Impact. But I, I don't know. That seems really abstract to me. To me, it seems like you're, you're negotiating UK deals and you're negotiating India deals right now. The Impact deal is worth a, a modicum of that, a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. So I that that's just kind of my conspiratorial thinking, but I think that's one reason why they why you would want to make this as low stakes sounding as possible, because otherwise you run the risk that people are going to overinterpret what's going to happen for WWE. Can you imagine if BTIG got hold of this information,
2: how they would interpret it? Well, is there is there a new media angle here?
3: Sure, D- uh, TNA runs a, a a a content service. GWN.
2: Yeah, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. So. Well, the it, it's, P- P- PW Insider's source was supposedly you know somebody re- related to Impact. It wasn't a WWE source downplaying yeah.
3: it. it. And that's my point, is that that's why I'm sure there's a lot of sensitivity, is that it's also very possible that WWE at some point said, what the heck are you guys doing? Don't, don't meet with them and make it seem like we're going to go into partnership. Mm-hmm. All I know is that WWE is desperate to make sure this UK deal goes well. And this India deal goes well, and try to get that stock over a hundred dollars.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And Impact to me seems like a distraction when that is your core mission.
2: Is there any value to their, their India and UK TV deals to say, "Hey, look, we we buy up Impact"? Though those TV deals that they have uh, in, in the UK and, and uh, in India, the Impact TV deals are are, are uh, they're off the air now. So now we're the only source of, of wrestling. Does that enhance any value on uh, on WWE's negotiations with their? Partners in the UK and India?
3: I doubt it. Okay.
2: Uh just because there there's you're you're
3: playing from a position of strength. And so that's like if you're the number ten candy brand mm-hmm. and the you're the you're Snickers and someone suddenly says, Oh, by the way, I took out the strawberry Charleston true. Expect your sales to go through the roof. Yeah. It doesn't have any impact on you. Versus if I say I got rid of Snickers, yeah, it does help Charles Strawberry Charleston chew. Mm-hmm. Do you like my candy analogies? It's fantastic. It's what I'm good at. So, yeah, I, I think that's the, the key to that is that it's it's a very interesting proposition where I think a lot of people look at it from the angle of, oh, this is really exciting. And if I was WWE, I'd be mortified that this news got out because I think it only has downside for us versus impact. It's only upside for them. It makes them seem like they're a big deal. Well, so.
2: why, why would it, Why would it? if this is true, why would an impact a, a officials, you know, say, no, we, we weren't talking about selling anything?
3: Why would the impact people say that? Right. Because it makes it seem like they're on a sinking ship. Mm. Okay. Also, it makes it seem like they don't have an interest in investing in their future. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I I think there's a lot of interesting implications of it. Again, we have a one sentence, two sentence story that we know very little about. It could be about a million different things. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's already other people who have moved from Impact to WWE. Uh, You know, uh, production people, uh, 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 former, you know, all sorts of people behind the scenes who have began moving over. So it's always possible that there's something around that, too, that they're having those discussions around. Mm -hmm. You familiar with who I'm talking about?
2: Jeremy Borash.
3: Didn't Borash move over? And didn't someone else move over, too?
2: Did Kevin Sullivan move over? The Kevin Sullivan, the the video producer. I
3: can't remember exactly who it was, but I I feel like there was like one or two names from Impact that had moved to WWE in recent months. And I guess to me, that's that's part of it too. Is that you know, whenever you see some talent moving between companies, then when the top level people start talking to each other, sometimes it's related to that too. Mm -hmm. Doors get opened. Yeah. I'm gonna do my legal update, and we're gonna start with. a story we talk about a lot on the premium show. Brian Nurse, new SVP for WWE. Um we were saying we think he might actually be replacing a current guy, Brian Bilst Bilsted? Blake? Bilstad. Bilstad? Blake. Blake Bilstad? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was his name? Who, who
2: Mookie has just created a Google Alert for, right?
3: Yes, I'm looking it up. Um my Google Alert list says I have one for Blake Bilstead, who is the former uh, general Counsel SVP for WWE, and now this Brian Nurse person will be taking the role over. Um, one one thing that we noticed on the show and and made uh, mention of is that Brian Nurse might be the highest ranking African American in uh, WWE leadership at this time. Mm-hmm. And so, in a company that is obviously grappling with things such as uh, Hulk Hogan returning to their company, uh, I do think it's interesting to see them uh, finally bringing in some more diversity in their top leadership. Uh, the WWE CT lawsuit has been formally dismissed by Judge Vanessa Brown. Uh, there is a interesting 40 page filing <laughs> at the end. I was actually going over it with my wife right before I, I came in here to do this show. Uh, it does not pull punches. Let me tell you that is that Judge Bryant is fed up. In, in uh, this, uh, she writes, after reviewing each of these submissions and for the reasons below, the court founds that the wrestlers counsel did not comply with the order and declaratory judgment. Dismissal and sanctions are warranted. And she goes through this whole piece here about, you know, uh, rife with irrelevant inflammatory and accurate information, uh, evading the court's jurisdiction. Um uh the conduct of discovery and summary judgment phases during the Evan Singleton case, uh things that happened during the Wyndham procedural history, things that happened during the Laurinaitis procedural history. Uh and then at the very end, kind of a, a big moment is uh Judge Bryant basically writes, quote, um Attorney Kairos has persisted in asserting pages and pages of frivolous claims and allegations for which he lacked any factual basis. He was warned that if he continued to do so, this case would be dismissed, and he ignored that warning. Attorney Kairos has offered the court no reason to believe that given a fifth, sixth, or seventh chance, he would prosecute this case in a manner consistent with the federal rules of civil procedure. Accordingly, the court finds further amendment would be futile, and that only the award of attorney's fees and costs would deter Attorney Kairos from committing further violations of Rule 11. Attorney Kairos and his law offices shall pay all the legal fees that the defendants reasonably incurred in connection with both their motions of, for sanctions. All fees paid pursuant to this order to be paid by the law firm and not by the client. Further, in order to protect the public, Attorney Kairos is ordered to send by receipted mail delivery service a copy of this ruling to his appearing co counsel. And to each of the Laurinaitis plaintiffs and any other future current or former WWE wrestler who has retained or in the future does retain his legal services to file suit against WWE, alleging an injury sustained during their wrestling contract with WWE. So, uh, pretty damning uh, closure of the case, for sure. Did you get a chance to read the 40 page judgment?
2: I did not. Do you have it printed out in front of you right now?
3: I do, in fact. Fantastic. Can you hear it?
2: I can hear you flipping through the stapled pages.
3: Yes. Um, very, you know, a big deal, uh, the way that's worded. I mean, it's not necessarily extraordinary, but it is unusual, in my opinion, and possibly in, in the the larger opinion, that basically says if you ever use Kairos to sue WWE about head injuries, he has to show you a copy of this judgment even if you're not a plaintiff today. That's mm-hmm. pretty big. So there was an um, uh, article over at law.com and from the American lawyer called Toss WWE Concession Suit Becomes Triple Threat Match Featuring K&L Gates. Right. A three-way war of words has broken out in the wake of a dismissed concussion-related lawsuit being World Wrestling Entertainment and its lawyers from K&L Gates, a plaintiff's attorney, and a judge. Mm-hmm.
2: That is a new and- title pun to me, a triple threat match. That's a, that's a, modern, <laughs> that's a modern wrestling news headline pun. Yeah, it's usually yeah, about pile it, it, drivers and body slams. We've even we've even gotten into the laying the smackdown, you know, in recent years. But a triple threat match—that's the first. Uh,
3: maybe maybe it's going to ask which one will end up being the people's champion. Mm. Um, there was a discussion that uh, he brought claims that were time barred. He failed to provide evidence that WWE knew and hid the risk of brain injuries from the wrestlers. Uh, And then at one point here, uh, McDevitt said that he thought Kairos ought to be disbarred for the unethical behavior in the case. People like that, sorry, people like that who bring the judge into disrepute just because they lost the case and were sanctioned because of their misconduct. I don't think they do have a place in the bar, McDevitt said. His comments about judge are wildly inappropriate and regrettable and he shouldn't be doing it. He called her reasoning flimsy. He accused her of ignoring facts that there were murders and suicides. She didn't do any such thing. That's just rotten to do. Mm. Um, This this bar means
2: like you're not a lawyer anymore.
3: Yes. And that's a that's a high bar. And, and, you know, there was actually a discussion that maybe you could even have malpractice against him Um, if the the. The wrestlers were to say, hey, this is malpractice. This is an example of you not being an ethical lawyer on our behalf mm-hmm. and
2: that there would be a,
3: a opportunity if the wrestlers really wanted to pursue it, that they could file that kind
2: of a, a movement. Mm-hmm. D- so, didn't he submit the complaints that had that were they were clearly like he did a fine and replace with the NFL and then and they left in some parts of, you know, of the NFL argument that should have been taken out?
3: Yeah, that was one of the, the elements. Now, to be clear. There's nothing that says you can't use someone else's complaint as a basis for your complaint. Mm-hmm. What was one of the biggest problems is that he replaced some quotes people had about the NFL, putting WWE in. And those people never said those things about WWE. And that was a real problem because then you're submitting something that's not true with a statement about, you know, WWE did this. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's a big difference in saying, you know, head injuries in the NFL caused this. You know, that's not the same thing at all. So that was one of the big things. Um, He was told many, many times to basically stop including uh, facts that are uh, uh, vague, um, extraneous. And um, oftentimes he would say uh, it's in the filing, but not give an actual paragraph to where he's referring to something. Mm -hmm. And they would say, we can't find what it is that you're trying to refer to here. There was a lot of times that he was bringing in things that were... um, Outside the scope of what was being discussed, things like the Ashi Masario uh, allegations, which were not related to head injuries, yeah, um, there was just a, a you know he kept being told you you have to individually be names about what each person's doing and they have to submit in camera affidavits and you know, you have to rectify this by so many days. And, and eventually it was found to be insufficient. And basically the, the judge came back and said, I've given you four chances and I have no reason to believe that number five, six, seven, and eight would be different. Yeah. Uh, So I went through, uh, I was asked by someone who was involved in this suit. And I thought, you know what? I don't know if there's any one list. So I went through and I put together this list, which is all the lawsuits I'm aware of that got mentioned. So, uh, October 2014, you have Billy Jack Haynes files a suit in Oregon. In uh, January of 2015, you have Adam Mercer and Big Vito, Evan Singleton and Vito LaGrasso, who are um, uh, are filing a suit uh, in Pennsylvania. In February of 2015, uh, Nelson Lee Frazier Jr., a.k.a. Big Daddy V, Viscera, Mabel, whatever you want to call him, he uh, has a suit filed on behalf. I files one. He had died the year before. Um, that's filed in Tennessee, in California. You have big Russ McCullough, Ryan Sakota, also known as Sakota, also known as KG Sakota, and Luther Reigns, Um, uh, Matthew Weiss. They file suit in, uh, April of 2015 in California, Matt Bourne, AKA joint, the clown, Matt Osborne, uh, they file suit in texas that's june of 2015 that's the mother of the children it's not his wife technically but it's the mother of their children michelle james and their two minor children matthew and tegan um so you have all these different lawsuits that are filed in different states they all get consolidated and sent to connecticut and during this this is the beginning of kind of the admissions going on with uh uh, uh, Kairos, if I'm not mistaken, this is I, I will clarify, I could be wrong on remembering this, but I'm pretty sure this is when they get yelled at basically stop filing in other states, you know, it's going to go to Connecticut, we've already decided it's going to go to Connecticut, you're wasting everyone's time by continually filing in other states and trying to make this run through in a separate jurisdiction. Then you have your June 2015 lawsuit, which was an interesting one, where Blackjack Mulligan, Dynamite Kid, Coco Beware, and Ivan Koloff, they get sued by WWE in Connecticut, where WWE says, we received a letter that you're going to sue us as a result of, your, of our negligent and fraudulent conduct. And so we're countersuing to avoid this, basically to get a finding that says we are not being negligent. You can't sue us on this. And um Ivan Koloff died in February of twenty seventeen. Blackjack Mulligan died in April of twenty sixteen. This was filed in June of twenty fifteen. So they were both alive at the time this was filed. Then you have the July twenty sixteen lawsuit in Connecticut. And this is the long list of people. Uh are you looking at the the list of people right now? Yes. Brandon? Yes, I am. Are you look you looking at my blog? Yes. Do you want to read off the people of July of 2016 so I can take a drink of water?
2: <laughs> Road Warrior Animal. Jimmy Snuka, who was alive at the time? Uh, uh, on, he didn't yeah. die
3: till January of 2017.
2: Paul Orndorff. Chavo Guerrero Jr. Chavo Guerrero Sr. Adam Baum. Ahmed Johnson. Travo,
3: Travo Sr. died in February of 2017. Uh,
2: Sorry. Go ahead. Adam Baum. Ahmed Johnson. Kamala. Dave Hebner. Earl Hebner. King Kong Bundy. Ken Patera. Sabu. Smash. <laughs> axe both both members of demolition axe. the berserker johnny the bull Jumpin' jim bronzel sue green king kong you, mosca. you skipped one johnny the bull johnny the bull Jumpin' jim bronzel sue green king kong mosca jim powers mike enos the natural butch reed jazz sylvan granier omar atlas don leo jonathan shane douglas mohammed hassan henry godwin princess victoria who is not victoria but princess victoria judy martin mark Jindrak, axel rotten who died on uh, february 4th 2016 uh, marty janetti john heidenreich the warlord the barbarian the crippler larry oliver bobby billiard timothy smith tracy smothers mantar black bart slick one man gang jj funk lou marconi rod price donald driggers rodney mack outlaw ron bass and boris Zukov. Sounds like a and great Abel,
3: Ron Bass died in March of 2017 and Timoth- Timothy Smith aka Rex King he died in January of 2017 and Axel Rotten died in, uh, like we mentioned in February of 2016 yeah. um, so that was the initial group of people they filed an amendment amended complaint in November 2016 and they added in six people at that time
2: Ashley Masaro, Perry Saturn Silvano Sosa, Johnny Jeter, Two Cold Scorpio, slash, uh, Flash Funk, and Chad Wicks.
3: Yep. And then in November of 2017, they filed another complaint and they tried to add in Mr. Fuji, who had also died. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, actually, I, I forgot to include, what date did Mr. Fuji die? Mr. Fuji died in August of 2016. So they tried to add him in. Um, there was a little bit of of controversy over whether or not they could add him in because he had already died.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: But the point is, that was all the people that were involved. Uh, To a degree, Raven and Buff Bagwell, they were more on the royalties track of things. So I don't think that their claims were ever part of the CT lawsuit, strictly speaking. Some of these people got excluded or... We're going to be excluded. Uh, for instance, uh, Darso and Edie had had an incredibly long battle with WWE uh, for years and years and years and had supposedly, you know, signed things that said, you know, they they weren't going to sue again much like Raven did, and yet they still were suing. That, so That was over it, the,
2: it, the demolition gimmick, right?
3: Yeah, over demolition, over termination, over lots of things. Um, so there's been a lot of different statuses of things here, and what was really confusing for a while was they just kept talking about Evan Singleton and Vito Lagrasso. And the main reason for that was is essentially there was established that you you had to make a claim within so many years of the statute of Limitations. It also had to be past the year that they said, we know that this is really bad for people. And I think they ended up deciding um, around the time that, that Chris Benoit died. So that would have been uh, Chris Benoit's Ju- suicide. June 2007. Murder was June
2: 2007. 2007. Seven, is that right june 2007 yeah
3: yeah so I, I think it was around 2008 that they ended up saying was the line in the sand i would have to go back through the uh the the fought, the mountains and mountains of things that i have here about when they were saying that this would have to have happened um seeing if i can find it on the page here really quickly just talking about the wrongful death parts here um the time barred claims uh 2011, I see a lot of references to as as one of the lines in the sand. But eventually, it was coming down to that There's only a few people left that were ever going to be even close. You know, Don, Leo, Jonathan is probably one of the most absurd ones to make a claim against WWE for. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Based on, you know, the difference between how long he was in the, the company and his enormous career and just how many years ago you're even talking about. Compared to Singleton and LaGrasso were probably the closest to um, uh, most recent wrestlers. Yeah. But at the end, it was all thrown out. And that in what's going to happen is that all the money that WWE spent to basically file some of the complaints and the sanctions against Kairos, the money that they invested to basically pay their lawyers to work on that piece, that's the 150000 $160,000 that Kairos and his co-counsel might be required to pay. Um, Judge Robert Richardson will, um, have to basically do a ruling on the motion for the attorney fees, uh, that they're fighting back and forth. Uh, Kairos keeps a blog at concussionlawsuitnews.com
1: mm-hmm.
3: Um, this is something that is getting him in trouble to be really honest. It seems like is, uh, there's wow. Oh my, there's some new stuff on here that I, I don't recall seeing
2: before, including, WWE um, Concussion Lawsuit News.com.
3: Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, but there's lots of different filings here. You can see that there's some very quick filings. Uh, responses you know one post is called no fear if anyone needs to talk please call or text me this decision will not stand it is very poorly reasoned ignores basic facts about the history of ct science as well as the rudimentary concepts of employment and labor law and it's mostly a personal attack on your advocate and not on you marty john ignore the social media trolls we are still a nation under a rule of law if anyone is having concerns i am available please call me if you need to text or talk to me Thank you very much for your support. Everyone stay strong and trust in your advocacy for your very strong and supported constitutional legal rights to a jury trial. This case is far stronger than the claims brought by the NFL, NCAA, or NHL athletes. Call me. We are appealing the case with the best lawyers in the country behind us. To be clear, the decision will be up to an appeals court, and they can rule to uphold or reverse the decision or make rulings on part of the decision. He had another one and said, my friends, do not despair. We are appealing. Today, a single federal court judge ruled against the 60 wrestlers and their families in the Laurinaitis case and ignored their many personal appeals and their dozens of affidavits filed with the court. We'll have more to say soon, but please keep positive, and we know that we're fighting every day to get help for everyone. Here's a very brief statement. I stand for professional wrestlers who face the prospect of losing their identity and consciousness to the effects of latent occupational disease that robs them of the sanity, comfort of their families, and memories of everything they achieved, entertaining the millions of fans who love them. And uh, goes on and on. And uh, at one point he says, The opinions appre- expressed in today's decision about my strong advocacy are inaccurate, bizarre, and unworthy of the court. The reasoning of the opinion itself is as flimsy as the court finds. In ignorance of the facts, there is no reasonable basis for the assertions, despite a body of medical peer-reviewed literature going back almost 100 years. So uh, Kairos is writing a lot. Uh, he, he writes here, Jimmy Snuka, the world's most famous athlete diagnosed with CTE question mark court gets it wrong. CT proof below. Uh, so he, he's writing a lot. Um, it's very possible he will get in more trouble for this, to be honest. Uh, you know, calling the court, uh, wrong in such a bold way. Uh, I, I do wonder if this will, uh, in fact, come back very negatively on him.
2: Why is it? Uh, why does he refer to it as the Laurenitis case? I know. I mean, I know that's Road Warrior Animal's real last name. But why is he the f- the f- the first name here?
3: Uh, he was the first name listed on the case when they they filed it. Is he the first one? Uh, to, I think. To... Like I mentioned here, there's there's kind of these, um, six different versions of cases. You know, you have the the Billy Jack Haynes group. You have the the Singleton Lagrasso case. You have the Frazier case, you have the McCullough case, which was McCullough, Sokota Reigns. You have the Osborne case, you have the counteraction, which include Mulligan and people. And then you have the Laurinaitis case, which was the big group of wrestlers. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these other cases were already thrown out based on other pieces. And so I think the Laurinaitis case was just basically the, all the consolidation of all those people. Um, so he's he's referring to just the Laurinaitis action. But in the end, they all got compiled into a single lawsuit. The ones that were standing, at least.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So uh, not looking good for uh, Kairos' ability on this. Again, I think the person who would have probably the most standing would be someone who is currently employed by WWE or very recently employed. And even still, you know, you're challenged because your contracts now aren't even necessarily as poorly written as some of the contracts were a few years ago. So I don't know where they'll be able to prove a disease that you can only prove after death for a wrestler will not be very easy, especially if they've ever done any other sport known to man.
2: Well, now they're all told about CT, right? They're all, all the wrestlers are briefed on head injuries and so forth.
3: In theory, uh, they not only are given training on it, and they are held out if they have concussions. So in, in theory, there would not be a great uh, basis for a lot of, of challenges, mm-hmm. based at least on the similar uh, complaints as previously. Yeah. There was an insane lawsuit film filed uh, recently, a, a Mr. Dana Wiley against World Wrestling Entertainment CEO Vince McMahon and John Doe, I think he meant John Doe, D-Generation X and NWA wrestling employees. Do you uh, did you ever get a chance to read the suit?
2: No, I did not. Degenerate max employees, royalty
3: uh, damages uh, in the amount of seventy five million dollars, no less than ten million dollars for trademark work for Degeneration and New World Order merchandise, and uh, has a whole lot of other just crazy things that he he makes claims of. It's it's clearly a frivolous suit. Um, it makes very little sense. <laughs> who, who's this person? <laughs> Dan,
2: Dan, who's Dana, Dana Wiley? Some person. Some
3: person. Probably someone who is not very well.
2: Mm.
3: You know, he, he he mentions things like uh, WWE will, requires my job to be superstar wrestler to write and create music songs and design the Degeneration X and NWO at all clothing line with an investment of seventy five million dollars into WWE stock market along with TNA Impact. Oh. It appears that he may have submitted a contract to WWE saying, "I work for you now." Okay. He also makes a reference to the fact that uh, uh, that they they uh, the employer and the employees of WWE has copies of several entertainment photo news articles of him with Easy E. That were taken by the Department of Ohio, USA Today, and Entertainment Weekly, in 1994 and 1996, from the Yo MTV Raps and BET Rap City Ladies Night Show. Hmm. That that's mentioned very clearly
2: here. I see. So
3: it's pretty crazy, and and WWE gets gets periodic lawsuits like this. Uh, sometimes they're filed by prisoners, and sometimes they're filed by other people that are are just filing crazy frivolous suits
2: quite so. a few misspellings here dbberation de- de- X yeah yeah
3: yeah it's it's like I say it's, it's very clearly someone who is um, seems to be expressing a lot of, of uh,
2: challenges with reality but was able to, to write a complaint
3: was That's able like, to file a complaint yes I don't know if he wrote one I imagine it will be thrown out very quickly okay uh, the Randy orton tattoos lawsuit continues on again this is about the 2k Lawsuit, basically, whether or not that there's uh, tattoos in there that are owned by the design of the tattoo artist rather than by Randy Orton or by WWE licensing it from Randy Orton. Mm. Um, Latest filing, I think, was on the 17th, which was a uh, basically a request to file a an amended complaint. And uh, just this is continuing to move on. Uh, It'll be very interesting to see where this file this ends up. The other examples of this case, as far as I can tell, it's never really been litigated all the way through. So it'll be interesting to see if it actually goes all the way to a, a much deeper place rather than the resolution that has happened. in A lot of these other suits or being thrown out altogether. Hmm. Um, speaking of this, you you brought up a screenshot to me yeah. from the latest game, right? So this was from uh, Barry Ladd, the Barry Ladd, where he, he shows some clips here from the Daniel Bryan career retrospective. And what's unusual about these these clips?
2: That there are faces, in fact, entire bodies that are blurred out, censored. Yeah. It's, so it's part of this video game.
3: It, it appears people have identified who these wrestlers were.
2: Yeah. So, so there's a, a, a one screenshot where Paul London is on the uh, – you know, a wrestler is on the apron in a tag match or something. And this person is completely blurred out. I guess it's Paul London. And there's another shot from uh, – so this is like, I guess – to different uh, points in uh, Daniel Bryan's WWE career. Then the, uh, the, the Nexus NXT era where here's Daniel Bryan and in the, in the, you know, backstage talking to the Miz, looking up to him as, as Miz appears to be talking down to him. And in the background, uh, I guess this is David Otunga uh, standing behind him in a hood, but his face, David Otunga's face is blurred out.
3: And I'm wondering if that's like Michael Tarver or something behind Miz. Yeah.
2: Someone's some, another face blurred out.
3: Yeah. So the question would be, why would they blur this out? And my guess is, because they do not have a licensing agreement with these wrestlers anymore. Mm. Is that basically you, you have the agreement to use their likeness, to use their rights for the time that you have a contract with them. And then when it's, when that time is over, basically you have to kind of liquidate the merchandise. And then you owe them royalties if there's sales of, of a product in that time. But you can't, for instance, put their image in another video game without their without their permission. Even though David O'Toole well, is this, still with
2: the company in some form.
3: Well, yeah. So we'll get to Otang in a second. So let's just talk about a London-type person. He doesn't work for the company anymore. They want to put this footage in a video game. He would be entitled to get a royalty based on it. So they blur him out.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Makes sense to me why they would do this. Now, they probably could have gone and got permission from London, but they probably just didn't feel like writing the contract if they could just blur his face now why would David Otunga who works for the company be blurred out why do you think
2: Uh, they just don't want to you know pay more people royalties for appearing in the video game
3: I think it's because he's a lawyer (laughs) so where do I get this from well if you go to my pro wrestling uh, contracts page at at indeedwrestling.com you'll notice there's actually a David Otunga section so David Otunga in 2010, uh, they went to file the trademark on the David Otunga name. And the challenge is, instead of getting David Otunga to uh, give them written permission that that he could um, uh, be used, they instead uh, submitted portions of his contract. And they did this with a few people during that era. They did this with... Um, Uh, Triple H, Randy Orton, Chuck Palumbo, Ashley, Layla, Gregory Helms, Elijah Burke, Gene Snitsky, Jillian Hall, Shad, Mark Henry, Ted DiBiase Jr., Paul Birchall, Molina, CM Punk, D.H. Smith, Mickey James. All these people had, like, for their entertainment services trademark, they submitted part of their contract rather than a signed little document the way they normally do that says so-and-so has given me permission. Um, My guess is someone like Otunga very much understood that it wasn't in his best interest necessarily to just write sign a form like that and then basically give WWE a, a unrestricted use of his name forever. And we've seen this with other people. Like um, Shane McMahon recently, when he signed one, he wrote uh, good for the year of blank and it wasn't open-ended. It was for a very specific year that he was saying that they could use his likeness. So even though a lot of these people do have entertainment services contract with the company... They 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 at times uh, have pushed back a little bit unnecessarily fu- uh, signing the contract and then instead WWE's been forced to submit their entertainment contract. It's very possible that Otunga does not have a contract that says his likeness can be used anymore by the company. I I could have sworn I read at one point that he had transferred into like a legal services department in WWE.
2: Like he's doing legal work for WWE. Yeah. In addition to sometimes being an announcer.
3: Yeah. Okay. So my, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it's just one of these situations where they didn't have a likeness contract that they could use with an entertainment royalties thing. Because it's very possible on the announcer piece, it's set up to give you royalties. Because mm-hmm. think about it. If you're an announcer, oh, right. think about how many things you'd get royalties on.
2: Right. Okay.
3: So I don't, know, I don't know anything about it, to be really honest. It's also possible because it's footage that involves when he had an entertainment services contract that's very mm. different. Who knows? Okay. It could be it's just a abundance of caution where they just went through and said, who do we have an entertainment services contract with? And they blurred out everyone else and someone like uh, Otanga was on a very different deal. But my guess is he's a lawyer and so they just didn't want to uh, risk being in a situation where they would not be paying him the right amount. Mm-hmm. So... I thought that was an interesting example. Those blurred things. So thanks, to the Barry Lad, for mentioning that. Uh, the other uh, big legal update things was, you know, is there anything new about the Trans World Television uh, lawsuit? That's where WWE is suing someone for not paying for the programming. Not really. Is there anything new in the Titus O'Neil swerved lawsuit? That's when Titus O'Neil kicked a cameraman. The cameraman uh, then sued in California. That suit was thrown out. He resued in Florida. That suit is pending. So, um, that that suit, uh, as far as I can tell, it's just continuing on. I don't know if there's been anything since July on that case. Basically, it's between Donald Anderson, Titus O'Neil, and then the question about you know will WWE get pulled into it? There's also the GFW versus Impact lawsuit going on, um, where recently the defendants had an unopposed motion to get an extension of time just to to uh, sue. Um, and at the same time, GFW is very much going for this. Uh, what do they call it? A, uh, a motion for a very limited expedited discovery and uh, just fighting with uh, uh, TNA on a lot of different pieces of this here. We'll be interested to see if this GFW lawsuit goes anywhere. This, this is a Jeff, um,
2: Jeff Jarrett of course
3: that's the jeff jarrett lawsuit yeah so um the big the big case of course right now is just the CT lawsuit and then like i said this frivolous case that's gone on right now mm-hmm. um and if you are a member of our patreon page at russellnomics.com you get access to the document in the document that see the outline of everything we talk about on the show and includes links to all these documents you can read these lawsuits for yourself
2: yeah you can go to uh, russellnomics.com and uh, sign up there right that's and, right. Uh, you you already mentioned You're right you were, we're doing the
3: $1 deal. $1 deal. $1 for this week. You also get last week's show available yeah. to you for just $1.
2: So, um, we're, we're coming up on the end of uh, end of September. And you know what the end of end of September means, don't you? That we're only a month away from the end of October. That's right. It means the end of and, the end, of, and the end of September is the end of Q3. Uh, in the in the year calendar year itself, but also a fiscal year. So I am predicting based on when the conference calls and financial reports for W have come out in the past that I, I think the report will be on October 25th. They'll confirm that eventually. Uh, and that means we got four weeks. Yes. So the
3: big Q3 results, right? We're,
2: we're going to study, we're going to prepare for this. Like it's a test or something. And, uh, so next week we, we plan on talking about television viewership. So we're going to look at at least Raw and Smackdown and compare it to Q3s of prior years and see, just how well the viewership is holding up year over year for WWE. Uh, and then the, the week after that, I think we're going we're planning on looking at AVOD views like YouTube views. The week after that, we may look at Google trends and some other things. And and then the week after that, we're hoping to look at attendance.
3: Yeah. So there'll be a lot of really fun information going into Q3 this year. You're going to feel like you're ready you know what to expect. So when yeah. you people ask is this good or bad, we can at least give you it's above or below what we expected was gonna happen.
2: Don't go into Q three unprepared.
3: Yeah. Speaking of being prepared, uh by the time the Q three results happen, you'll probably already have to submit. But the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame ballot, uh it is Man, officially when does that out. Do?
2: What does that do? Does it say here?
3: Um I I think I edited it out of, of what you had posted here. Oh, but no. uh
2: October something. Yeah, okay.
3: Uh, there's some new people on the ballot. Uh, Paul Jones, who died in April of 2018. Mm-hmm. Number one Paul Jones. Uh, uh, Johnny Rouge uh, Rugeot? who's uh,
2: it like was a, a relation to... A pe-
3: another Rugeot huh? of, of fame in the Montreal Territories, I believe.
2: Okay. I won't be voting in that category.
3: Oh. Uh, the They're both in the historical performers U.S. Canada category. Uh, we have two new names mm-hmm. in the modern U.S. Canada group. Uh, Paul Jones... I'm sorry, uh, Samoa Joe and Rick Martel.
2: Yeah, so Samoa yeah. Joe could have been eligible last year. He's old enough.
3: Yes. Yeah. Uh, the then you have uh, the newest eligible person in Japan, Kenny Omega. Yeah. And then you have in Mexico, uh, Universal 2000, who actually has been on the ballot before. He dropped off in 2007, but he died in 2018, which is why he's back. Yeah. Um. So those are the new names this year. is, mm-hmm. is for, for anyone who is losing their mind, I want to just remind them, those are the only new people to what the ballot looks like for, compared to a year ago. Yeah. Uh, there is a group of people that might drop off the ballot if they don't start getting better numbers. Uh, specifically, you have uh, Junakiyama, Red Bastine, Sinkaris, uh, not Sinkara, but Sinkaris, mm-hmm. uh, Jerry Jarrett, Blue Panther, uh, Tamora, John Talos. And Johnny Walker 2. Yes. Mr. Wrestling too. Yep. Um, and uh, Akiyama got up to 47% last month, last year. Red Bastine has been falling. He's down to 25%. Uh, Sincaris, who had originally fallen off the ballot in 2001, is back on the ballot again uh, using Dave Logic. He <laughs> is now being uh, eligible to get knocked off. Um, and he was at 49%. So he has a pretty good shot of, of making it stay on. Jerry Jarrett fifty percent good shot of staying on. Blue Panther, forty one percent decent shot of staying on. Tomorrow, twenty four percent low chance of staying on. John Tolis down to eighteen percent very low chance of staying on. And Johnny Mr. Wrestling Two Walker down to thirty percent. Um you know what another place you can see Johnny Walker's picture? If you go to the Sex Offender and other covered offender search of Hawaii. Oh dear you can see that he was arrested in 1955 for sexual intercourse with someone less than 16 years old. Mm. And the uh, John Francis Walker, born 1934, oh 1934, wow, he I believe is the same as Johnny Walker.
2: Yeah, he's not in his mask here.
3: Yeah, but uh, I, I think it's the same person. I, I, I would be a little surprised that there's two Johnny Walkers. Who live in Flor or live in Hawaii that were born in the same year?
2: And he, he's alive. He's living, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. So he's, um, he's listed as five ten, or yeah, 5'10", 210 pounds, male, born in nineteen thirty four. He's a white male, blue blue eyes, John Francis Walker. And that's the exact same name
3: as as Mr. Wrestling too, who was also born on September tenth, nineteen thirty four. I don't know if this has their full birth date or not on the website. Yeah uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, but as far as I know, it's the same person. i I will say that that is a a, a circumstance that makes it hard to, you know verify one way or the other but um as far as i've ever been led to believe it's the same person so
2: disposition date july 27th 1955 so did this mean he was charged convicted
3: uh my my belief is uh that in 20 he was 21 and that's when this when he was probably prosecuted for this somebody mentioned that to me a while ago uh and so i figured i'd look it up i'm always a little surprised that um you know it's not mentioned uh, or or referenced anywhere else, considering he is, in fact, on, you know, an offender list, apparently. Yeah. But uh, I know it came up when people were talking about the, the was it Chauncey uh, Rance? Or Jason Rance. Name?
2: Jason Rance. Yeah,
3: Jason Rance. So, uh, odd, odd fact. Mm-hmm. Very odd fact. Um, so, those are the people that are listed in the uh, 50% or less And then, of course, you have your historical performers, your modern performers, your wrestling in Mexico, and then your catch-all everywhere else performers. And then you have your non-wrestlers. And what a lot of people don't realize is in the non-wrestler category, if you vote for someone who is put into one of these categories, you're essentially voting in that category. So if you say, I think Lord James Blears is a terrific guy, he's a non-wrestler, but I want to vote for him. But you don't vote for anyone else in the Australia, New Zealand, Pacific, Africa category. You're basically voting no on all the rest of them. Now, Dave doesn't actually break out what category these people are in. So I break it out. So just so people understand, modern U.S. Canada is Bill Apter, Dave Brown, Jim Crockett Jr., Howard Finkel, Gary Hart, Jimmy Hart, Jerry Jarrett, Don Owen, and George Scott. The Australia, New Zealand, Pacific Africa category is Lord James Beers, Ed Francis, Dave Rickard. And the historical u s Canada group is Jim Crockett senior Larry Massick, and Stanley Weston
2: mm-hmm. so, so if you vote for any you, one you, of you, these you are you are voting in that category for the wrestlers as well,
3: yeah, which is which is tough sometimes because I, I I look at something like Stanley Weston and I would be like, oh I, I really do want to vote, you know that it had a big influence on on that, but at the same time. I don't know if I want to vote in the category about, you know, Mongolian Stomper versus Paul Jones versus Enrique Torres. yeah. And it's not made clear to people that if they vote for Stanley Weston, they're in fact now joining that category. Mm -hmm. So um, this year, I think the strongest category by far is Mexico. Uh, Just all the, the big stars that you have are left, you know, L.A. Park, Blue Panther, Volano Three, Doctor Wagner Jr., Los Brazos, The Missionaries of Death, Ultimo Guerrero. You know, I, I think you could almost use all ten-year votes just in in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's a pretty interesting category uh, for me for for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you have any feelings about uh, Kenny Omega joining Countrymen, uh, Kota Ibushi, and uh, that's United Naito. Uh, Naito. Yeah. With three people that, you know, a lot of people don't realize, uh, Obushi and Naito were actually on the ballot last year, too. So this is not new. Right. Along with someone like Sima. Shima,
2: right. um, who's under 40, I think. He might be 40 now. And,
3: and Hayabusa, who, uh, passed away. Yeah. Uh, as, as kind of the younger crew. And then you have a much older crew of people like Kojima, Tenzin, Akiyama, Fujiwara, uh, Tamara, Tawe, so forth.
2: Yeah. I, Nagata. I, I, I think it's, uh, asking too much for us to, to vote for candidates at the age of 35 in pro wrestling. I, I understand like, but even in other sports, right? You're like, you're supposed to be retired for five years or, or, or be 35 and retire for five years or whatever it is. The fact is in pro wrestling, the prime of your career is, is often around the age of 35. So Kenny Omega is having a great, great career, great, great run right now. Uh, but he's only just begun, kind of, right? Like, I don't think we should be voting for candidates who are uh, younger than 40, if not 45. But this, you could say this every year. There's always – almost every new candidate, you know, this applies to, at least the, the ones who are, who are now eligible because they are of age.
3: Well, and, and it's the challenge of, like, what does it mean to be retired? Bill Goldberg was retired for quite some time.
2: Right. Nobody retires then, in pro wrestling. You're never going to get Edge, a clear definition Edge of that.
3: has not wrestled, though, since he – retired cm punk has not wrestled since yeah. he retired that's so well, i Sergeant think it be... slaughter might still be
2: doing benefit shows for all i know i, I don't know yeah, but so i think the age should be probably 45 certainly not 35 and,
3: and then you certainly have wrestlers you know who have passed away you know you could make a vote on a Kerry von eric or ultimate uh, ultimate warrior or junkyard dog um yeah.
2: they, they would be much older than 45 today
3: yeah and, and you also have the the idea of like there's people whose influence has been reevaluated over time.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Ivan Koloff is one, but Nick Monroe, uh, Bearcat Wright, you know there's there's a lot of uh, people who, in other lights, people Ivan have got viewed very differently in recent years. Uh, I, I feel like Big Daddy is going to be Sting version two, where on today's Observer you can hear uh, Dave get his give his latest. You know, you weren't in the half-empty arenas when Sting was headlining, so there's too much people believing uh, that he was a bigger star than he really was uh, vision that, you know, I, I feel like Big Daddy is going to kind of go the way of, of Sting, which is over time, he's going to evolve into be a person who gets inducted in as a different generation of voters begins to uh, influence the, the pack. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. I, I never saw Big Daddy. I never watched Big Daddy. I don't know enough about the culture to vote in that category.
2: I'll, I'll send you some world sport links later.
3: Good. Uh, but are, are you are you, are you you a big candidate list or a small candidate list? I, my... I'm the guy who likes to vote for as many as I can oh, because I'm... I'd rather see a hall filled with great people I'm rather the... than no one
2: getting I'm in. Just the opposite. I vote. So I've, this will be my third year, I guess, voting. My first year, I only voted for Dan O'Brien. And he didn't get in. And then I, my second year, I think I, I voted for Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. And I voted in Japan for Akiyama, maybe. And uh, yeah, that's that's the extent of it. I don't know what I'll do this year. We'll see. We'll discuss it as we get closer.
3: Have you at least been voting for Jimmy Hart? I don't remember. I'd have to look. Oh, I, well, that Jimmy Hart is is definitely you know to me when I look at it, uh, I almost feel like I, I wish I could only vote for the non-wrestler category mm-hmm. um, because it's it's the the Jimmy Hart, Lou Albano's, uh, Jim Crockett's of the world. That I am fascinated with this idea of of the manager who is so successful, the Bobby Heenan, that they're able to draw money with their crew. You as the voice, as the mouthpiece, even though they're not the one stepping in the ring. Yeah. So I, I Jimmy Hart is the one that I that my heart is really goes out to as like it seems foolish that he's not as 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 recognized as he could be. And then there's just the real big challenge around how you reconcile you know, small pond, big fish world when it comes to things like Memphis. Yeah. Dave Brown and and the Jarrett's and whatnot in terms of enormous success and just kind of the question of what does it mean? Um, When Dave was talking about, you know, has anyone who, who didn't really work for a major promotion gotten in, you know, the one example he gave was. Who? Onita. Ah. And just saying, you know, Onida did work for major promotions, but he really got in on the basis of his work that he did himself on creating an independent Japanese scene and, and yeah. building FMW up.
2: He drew multiple stadium-sized crowds.
3: and he Exactly. And it was the fact that he was so successful of a performer, he was drawing tens of thousands of people to come see him wrestle. Yeah. And in fact, there is still, once again, a movement underfoot for Onita to come back one more time. There always is. He received a letter from a young man who wanted him to come back mm. and the, uh, the the people have traveled to the farm and they delivered the letter to Anita oh and he's considering it. He lives on a farm yes, yes yes, yes. it was wow. he ran for um, he was going to be the mayor, I believe, of the town that he grew up in that his mother lived in mm. and uh, I think he lost that election so like now he's like living on a farm there. Oh my goodness
2: there, there will always be stirrings of Anita coming back as long as he can walk. Yeah, yeah, pretty much.
3: So he's and he's still promoting shows and and he does kind of Onita esque things on the shows. Mm. He's not technically wrestling. If you ever again, I always uh, put over the FMW podcast. One of my favorite things is is the million and one ways that that Onita tries to get around retiring at different times. That like he'll 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 be like, well, I, one time he supposedly wanted to do it on a Japanese air force base that's owned by the U.S. Because his argument was that he retired on Japanese land, but not necessarily on the U.S. land in mm-hmm. Japan.
2: Masao Air Force Base, probably.
3: Yeah. So, well, I, well, I voted for Junkyard for Dog last Hawa. year, too.
2: Junkyard Dog, CM Punk, and AJ Styles. That's who I voted for last year. Is that year. who you voted for last year? That is who I voted for That's last interesting.
3: year. Interesting. I've been a big Junkyard Dog uh, man in the past, and uh, Slaughter is the other one that I, I feel pretty strongly about these days. One of the best big men I've ever to live
2: great great um, but not but
3: hall of famer we'll see what happens all right uh you've been listening to wrestlenomics radio i'm your co-host Christopher from Harrington. if you'd like to listen to this sh- premium show this week if you'd like to listen to last week's premium show where i go in depth about what it means to uh be an independent contractor versus being a a employee uh one dollar gets you access to this week's show and last week's show five dollars gets you access to everything we've ever done in our archives um, we do a full show. It's oftentimes longer than this. It's always more. Plus, you can find out what new laser discs did Mookie get this week. Yeah. Just, just this week, $1, right? Just this week, $1. Oh. Plus, you get some hot takes on both Ring Warriors and Snooker and Darts fans of the 80s. Wow. Pretty cool, huh?
2: Yeah. The Bills have destroyed right. the Minnesota Vikings.
3: I'll wait to review it on tape to see if there's any uh, improprieties. All right. We'll, we'll send you a laser disc. Some, some biased refereeing, no doubt. Thanks, Fred Rubenstein of the NFL. Yeah. We'll talk to you later. Bye bye.
1: Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old?
2: American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.
0: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card.